Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly. And Amy. And Kristen. And today we are joined by another very special guest, Nurse Jody O'Malley. You might know her on social media with the handle Nurse for Natives, but where you first saw her, if you've been paying attention, you saw her as one of the original whistleblowers with Project Veritas. Pretty early when the vaccines had rolled out, she was a nurse working in a federal hospital, so a federal employee, that that really, I think, uh, took care of Native Americans in the Arizona area, and she was seeing something, and she had, thank God, the courage to record what she was seeing and hearing, and she shared that information, and we could all tell, well, if you, if you were paying attention, it was obvious to me that Jody had a conscience. That Jody knew that she could not go on seeing and knowing what she was seeing and knowing without telling someone. And she saw that there was a cover up, a negligence to report, and a denial of what was really happening right before our eyes. We've all gotten very familiar with the term gaslighting, right? When we are seeing and hearing, and someone says, You're crazy. That's not what you're seeing and hearing. Well, Jody was one of the first to point it out. I think a lot of us had a hunch. We were hearing stories, but Jody came with the evidence. And what we like to do on this podcast, if this is your first time listening, we want to give you the evidence so that you can look at it for yourself. You can make up your own mind. You can just think. Okay, so we're going to send following this episode, you'll have a Substack that can be sent right to your email with all the links we're going to discuss today. But without further ado, Jody O'Malley, we are so excited to talk to you. We have wanted to talk to you since we first saw you on uh, on the project, the Project Veritas expose last year. So real quick, will you tell people just once again, and I know you you, you shared this with Project Veritas, but what gave you the courage to be a whistleblower? The Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I have to say it, you know, people ask me, oh, you know, how did you, you know, you're so courageous, you're a hero, this and that. And those, those um, identifiers are still very hard to, um, to even hear. I, you know, from the very beginning, I knew something was wrong and the Lord gave me the discernment and also my master's prepared evidence-based practice and my ethical principles and the oath that I took that all guided me. So I wasn't confused. Right. And so in June of 2020, you know, I just said to the Lord, like, just use me. 
use me however you want. And in August, he gave me, um, August of 21, he told me what to do and I did it. Mm. Mm. And we were so, I mean, I got it. We didn't know you, but I remember feeling very proud of you because we knew you would lose your job as a result. We knew, I can remember you saying, I don't know how I'm going to have income. I, I actually don't know. But that's someone that's standing on principles. And I know in, in the years we've watched people like you and Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone and Ryan Cole and all these people who will give scientific evidence that's contrary to the common narrative, they get punished by the mob. I'm going to call them the mob because it's a lot of different entities that are at work here. But what we ask our thinkers, our listeners to consider, what did you have to gain, Jody? By doing this, I mean, we know if your faith, it's the power of conviction and a good conscience, right? It's like, well, I did what I was supposed to do, but there was nothing to gain from doing what you did. Was there, it was really loss. It, there was nothing to gain in the world That's right. Um, and everything to lose. Absolutely. Like I didn't even know if I did, I had no idea. I never even talked to an attorney before I decided to um, release it to the world. I had no idea. I mean, it literally was me just relying on, on the Lord to lead me. So what I had to gain was the ability to sleep at night. Um, mm -hmm. my children and my friends and my family to look at me with respect, um, mm -hmm. because I had been speaking out from the beginning and obviously my eternal soul, you know, I, th this world isn't my home. And I say that all the time. And in March of 2020, uh, when the planes got grounded, um, it was very biblical for me. Uh, I was raised in a spirit filled church. And so I, I knew that I knew end times prophecy, right? I heard it all the time as a little girl. So when somebody told me that they're grounding the planes and the whole world's getting on board with this, mm -hmm. I literally looked up in the ER. And I was like, I'm supposed to pay attention to this part. Right. And <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. I think we've all, we've, I mean, I think truly that, that discernment tells you pay attention, mm -hmm. pay attention. And, um, and I, you know, I recognize too, Jody, there's people who don't have, have that. They do not have that. I think we've seen that they don't have that, but there's access to it. God freely gives that. Um, and I, and, and I think that was for a lot of us, before we had the evidence, there was this discernment. Something is just not right. Well, I think now's a good time because um, I know Kristen and Amy have a ton of questions for you because yeah. we've been following you for a while. But maybe now's a good time for us to just play a little excerpt, a little two-minute excerpt of what you did and what you were seeing. And this is what I think is important. There's other doctors and nurses that are in your videos confirming what you're saying. But they're also recognizing that it's not going to be acknowledged by the government. So you guys take a listen to this. The government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full of, it's full of shit. Dr. Gonzalez is one of our emergency room doctors at Phoenix Indian Medical Center. And she's a federal employee? Correct. Now you got this guy in room four who got his second dose of vaccine um, on Tuesday, has been short of breath. But he's elevated. got myocarditis. Yes. Oh, this is bullshit. All right. And, and now, let's see. Probably myocarditis go to the vaccine. Right. But now they're not going to blame the vaccine. Well, because they want to shove it under the yeah. under the, 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 the mat. 
He was uh, referring to that patient, that 30-something-year-old patient that had congestive heart congestive failure. Congestive heart failure. And in that particular patient's case, it was not reported. No. May I see your badges? You're Jody O'Malley, the Department of Health and Human Services. This is the United States government identification. I'm looking at the CDC website. It says that you're required to report adverse events following vaccinations. One of those would be uh, congestive heart failure. That's a huge one. Were there other instances that they they didn't report? Oh, I've seen dozens of people come in with an adverse reaction. Yeah, it's really sad. She had just come back from surgery, from leave. So what are we looking at here? You're looking at me transferring her um, to uh, a higher level of care that could handle her condition. And this is a, col a colleague at your hospital who got sick. She didn't want to take it because of her religious beliefs. And she was coerced into taking it. Why are you choosing to blow the whistle? It's not what a lot of people would do. They're scared, they're afraid. Are you afraid? I wouldn't necessarily say I'm afraid because my faith lies in God and not man. This is evil at the, the highest level. You have the FDA. You have the CDC that are both supposed to be protecting us. Are you afraid they're going to retaliate against you? Yeah. I'm a federal employee. What other federal employees do you see coming out? But you put your faith in God. Amen. Mm, amen. Well, you know what, Jody, this was September 2021. So for the, this was all, this was a long time ago. If you were just now waking up to what's been happening, Jody, this all came out. September of 2021, well over a year ago, was almost a year and a half ago. So Jody, you saw it early and we just want to say thank you. Thank you for being courageous enough to speak up and to speak out. And now today, that part of your life is behind you working in that federal hospital. What are you doing today to continue to do exactly what you said at the beginning, which is how do I, um, you know, God would use me. But what, how's he using you today? Oh, <laughs> so many ways, right? Um, he, he's just always showing up. Uh, I'll tell you, it, it's been a hard road. You know, I've gained 50 pounds over the last three years. Um, you know, I homeschool my son now. Um, not very well, if I'm being honest, <laughs> like it, it, you know, I, he, he's around all of this stuff, like, you know, politics and legislation, like I'm getting ready to go down to the, um, legislator and, um, speak on a bill that another nurse that just got elected Senator Janae Shamp, um, is presenting in front of the Senate today. And how is he using me? You know, it, it, I, once I blew the whistle, I was bombarded with all of these opportunities, right? Like, are you going to run for, you know, Congress? Are you going to write a book? Um, you know, all of these things or, or these for lack of a better, well, I, I don't want to get so aggressive, you know, these medical freedom events. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. Let me just put it that way. They've never asked me to speak ever. What? Um, they've never asked any of the nurses really to speak. That's and, 
And I just, I, I didn't want to be in an echo chamber. Right. And when I would go out, it was a January, late January, I was with project Veritas in Miami for James's, uh, muckraker book release party. And I had hundreds of people come up to me and tell me their story and how courageous I am. And then I realized, okay, there's a need to put this in black and white. A, number one, because they can just eliminate you right off of the internet, like they did with that Pfizer executive, um, you know, that are doing gain of function. Um, well, not calling it. I forget what BS name they're calling it. Directed evolution. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, that. <laughs> um, you know, and so then I realized like courage is rare. It really yeah. is rare. Yep. And people calling themselves Christians, you know, I honestly, ladies, I stopped, you know, if somebody, you know, says she's a Christian, I'm not going to say no. But when people ask me, are you a Christian? I say, I'm a follower of Yeshua. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ because the way Christians have acted, it's like rhinos, you know, if we're going to compare it. And, you know, so many people talk about, you know, being a Christian, but then doing the complete opposite. Now I'm not a saint. I mean, I have lived a life probably more than 30 people in their lifetime. Right. Um, I, I do have a backstory, but I think that's what makes me who I am. And so how is God using me right now? I am you know, I have the book that's coming out that, um, is all the donate, uh, proceeds will be donated to who I want to donate to, because that's how leery I am of a lot of organizations. Yeah, so I'm keeping exactly. the control in my hand. I don't think I want to open up a non-for-profit. Like, you know, people tell me you don't get rich off of a book, you know, it's kind of just a tool to speak. And so I'm not looking to get rich or anything like that. Um, I am working on with a, a company now uh, that's a detox company um, that's not MLM because I've had a lot of those people reach out to me. Um, I had created, um, I was asked to create, Dr. McCullough recommended me to, um, to be on America Out Loud. <clears throat> And so when I uh, started on there a couple months later, um, the other nurses that he recommended, I reached out to, and I was like, I want to know more about these people that he recommended. And so, um, I told the network that I was going to do other podcasts to help elevate the other nurses voice. And he said, no, will you create a show, um, on America out loud? And so then nurses out loud was born. And I just found out guys that we get between 15 and 30,000 listeners for each show that five days a week. And yeah. we just started, we're all doing the social media marketing on our own. Right. I mean, so I, you know, I have just honestly, and I'm looking to do retreats. Um, I have a person that's a whole nother story, but up in Alaska, um, do that. Uh, while I was off, I thought I didn't know if I was going to have my RN license anymore. So I did health and life coaching certification. Um, I, uh, did a functional medicine training course. So I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but, but I have the knowledge to do what I want to do. Yeah, that's right. That's I've right. More opportunities, but I do want to like, go back kind of reverse mm -hmm. like because another thing we like to ask people is 
what was your just think moment? Like you're in there, you know, as a nurse and, you know, I'm a nurse, but I was not in the hospital when all of this happened. So I had the perspective of looking at it from the outside in. And yeah. I've also feel like I've had the unique perspective of being able to kind of be the voice of the nurses inside because I wasn't worried about losing my license or losing my job because I was home. And then people could tell me, you know, some of the insiders, you know, what, what were you, were you, did you, did you, did your like radar immediately go off or were you initially like, okay, what do we do? I'm not sure. Cause you're in there. And then like, what makes you decide to, and I think it's so cool and fascinating. I actually wanted to like, if, if they did not require the vaccine, I would have gone back into work just to be a freaking whistleblower. Like, I just think it's the coolest freaking thing. <laughs> I, I know the, so fascinating. the person on the video, part of your, your whistleblowing video, there was another person, I guess their voice was discussed. It's like, right. I have so many things. I just want to blow it all up. Like, right. It was not just you seeing these things. And I love that. Was it Dr. Gonzalez? Was that her name? <laughs> yeah. I love her. Like, I don't know. I don't know how she feels about the whistleblower video, but, she, <laughs> but she's like, you know, I'm like, go girl. I wish she would speak out. Go but, girl, I, I wish she would have, honestly, she had a choice to do that. And, um, and, and she didn't. And it's sad because we have a first amendment, right? So, um, yeah, she didn't, she didn't do that. Uh, I got a complaint against the nursing board. Um, so yeah, it's sad. Um, so your question. Okay. So yes, immediately I knew this, I, I, I was not fearful of it. And so then I, when we shut down, I immediately was like, wait a second, is this public health policy to quarantine the healthy with the sick and, you know, to stop people from working and moving about and, and everything that comes with that, right? Shutting down the, the non-essential surgery, which is every single thing um, that's not going to imminently kill you like a stroke or a heart attack. Uh, so yeah, like I used my education to guide me through that. The mask, that was my number one. Oh, I hated it. I, to this day, like I have a visceral reaction. Yes, to see yes. Oh, we do too. I can literally say I get anxiety. I get yeah. angry. Oh, like, I I'm get angry. angry. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, you remember and I, I used to say, like, if you want to wear a mask, fine, just don't make other. I remember early in the pandemic, I went, if you want to wear a mask, fine, just don't tell me I have to. And now I'm like, when I see them on people, I want, I want to shake them. And, and I please know. understand, everybody's got their own story. And I understand that. But I'm like, it represents to me oppression. It represents to me mind control. And it represents to me the evil. It reminds me of the evil. And yes, I'm calling it evil. The, the, what was done to Americans for the last two and a half years, almost three years of them telling us unscientific information, knowingly, some maybe unknowingly, but in an effort to control the population. It is the most un-American thing on earth. And I think that's why we have that visceral response. It's a reminder yeah. of what they've done. Anyway. Yeah. On. It's a symbol of fear. It's a yes. symbol of compliance. It's a symbol of virtue signaling. And it's a symbol that you're an idiot. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you know, people want to tell me, oh, you don't know what's going on with them. No, I don't, but they don't work. They right. don't work. So why would you wear them? You know? And people are like, oh, well, they could be going through chemotherapy or something. I'm like, I was a chemo nurse. We didn't wear a mask in there. You know what I'm saying? So 
like, you know, I I'm sorry. Like I, I just, I, I get so angry. Like literally I have to fight back the, the Chicago <laughs> inner city girl. When I respond to a question like that, I really do because words are energy, right? So we have to watch what we say out of our mouth. Um, but yeah, so immediately I knew PCR testing, all of this stuff was, it was just, it, it was anti-scientific. So I spoke boldly on that from the jump right? And that's how I guide my book, which is really cool because I took my, my Facebook post from, you know, February, March, April, all this. And that's how the story is guided in the book to hopefully shake people and say, look, you know, this is what they were telling you. And this is why, what I was thinking, but my moment when God called me and told me what to do, um, like I knew when my coworker came in, she had not, she had been the best CNA that we had on that floor throughout the whole entire time. She would always go into patients' rooms. She'd go out and hang out. She was social. She lived her life. And so when um, they were, I, I'm saying coercing, you know, um, re- auctioning off the vaccine before the, you know, pharmacist had to throw it away that next morning um, and telling people like, who wants it? Who wants it? And then the other nurses are like, uh, oh, you didn't take it. You didn't take it. You didn't take it. And they know not to mess with me. Um, and then I saw them all walk off the floor and get it. And now two weeks later, she's in the hospital. Um, and you know, it, it's a story, but she, she didn't, shouldn't have even been there. She didn't have any issues with her vital signs. She wasn't requiring oxygen. And then, um, a couple of days later, you know, now she, she goes from being on room air for two days on a Friday. And then now on Tuesday, we're intubating her. And so when I went in the room and, um, prayed with her on Sunday and, um, and talked to her, well, the day before she said, what are those medications that you've been talking about? I want to try it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, the whole story with pharmacy being weaponized and stuff, um, to only prescribe it or only dose it out for lice or scabies, um, at that moment, I knew she wasn't going to make it. The Lord, you know, had told me that. And I knew that. So I, I had already understood that she wasn't going to make it. And I had, you know, said to the Lord, like, you know, your story and into her privately, like, you know, in my own spirit, like, you know, the buck stops here. This is it. This is done. And so my aha, just think moment was that. And then the Lord had said, record this conversation with the pharmacist. And that was my first recording. Mm. So how did you record it with your phone, with the phone? Or did you get like the glasses that, you know, that had the little thing? I want some of those for my family. My phone. Literally my aunt, I have an iPhone now I had to upgrade. I didn't want to upgrade, um, but it was easier to share videos with people all, you know, while I was out, but it was my old Android phone. I, I sat it up on the desk and, and when I recorded in the hospital, I put it in my lower scrub pocket on, um, I put a, a washcloth in there and, um, kind of propped it up. And, you know, people have their phone out all the time. So whenever the situation called for it, I just would pick it up, 
push record as if I was answering a message and, and put it back in my scrub. So yeah, guys, you, we mentioned earlier about being citizen journalists. We all have the power to do that. And this is where we're going to really create a movement is people doing these types of things. And what's sad is we have to do that or nobody believes you. That's right. They, they, they believe they don't believe you, but they believe people like Fauci and Walensky who never back anything up, right? Yeah. But never. It's something like this. And you know, people don't want to go in and don't want to have to be spies and and tell, you know, be a whistleblower. I mean, put put your job and career and your reputation, everything on the line. But honestly, I think that gives you even more credibility because you're doing the right thing, obviously. But some people think otherwise, but they're the ones who believe Fauci and Walensky. But I just, I hate that it has even gotten to this point, but that's what's so sad. Yeah. 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 And, and, and Jody, you have seen, well, you saw it while you were there because we saw, you know, Dr. Gonzalez, uh, or Dr. Maria Gonzalez acknowledging exactly what you're seeing. Um, and you saw it while you were in the hospital that there was some skepticism uh, with some of your coworkers, right? That they were like, hold on. But you were the only one that that was willing to talk about it. Um, but now, you know, it's been since September 2021. I'm sure you've met countless nurses that have also come forward to say you're right. Um, what do you, are you seeing doctors? <laughs> and I'm not trying to lead you into any. It's not a leading question. But are you seeing doctors come forward? In the same way you've seen nurses come forward, or would you say it's about the same? Um, so I think there's way more nurses, right? Like we nurses outnumber doctors 10 to one. Sure. And that's why I think the nurses voice is so powerful. Gotcha. Um, you know, all of these events, they're always very doctor heavy. And I love the doctors, like, thank God for McCullough, like who's my <laughs> friend now. Right. Like, um, and Dr. Artis and, you know, um, my free doctor and, and thank God for Dr. Molly James. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, but the nurses is who we have to reach because we're the ones who carry out. We're the, we're the staunch patient advocate. Yes. That is our number one duty is to advocate and keep them safe in the hospital. That is it. So if we can get to the nurses and that's what I hope this book does, you know, I'm encouraging people to buy it and send it to the nurse. Like, tell me who you want me to send it to. I'll write an inscription in there and I'll send it to their nursing unit. That's mm -hmm. what I want. Like this need, this needs to be in every break room. It yeah. needs to go around. It's a very quick read. Um, everybody that I've given it to, I'm not even a reader and I could read it in two sittings. You know, my, my 13 year old That's hates to read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, same, same, same. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have to get more. There's, okay. there's not enough of us. They're, they're sitting in the hospital complaining, thinking that there's nothing that they can do. Um, what am I going to do if I'm not in the hospital? What I can't do anything. And there's a lot of options for them. And, and I hope to encourage and empower them to, to know what they are and to team up with us. And I so think we also have to remember that they're the ones carrying out these orders. That's right. That are not ethical, that are not substantiated by evidence that you're not giving informed consent and you're not being a true patient advocate. If you're not thinking, if you're not critically thinking, and if you're not really looking at the best thing for the patient. 
Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about that. Once my story was released, I received more than a dozen complaints against my license. And as a nurse, if you get one complaint, like, you know, that puts the fear of God in you. So I had, I I believe it was 18, um, that I had to go and answer for, you know, like, um, that I'm causing hesitancy and blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And, and I knew from the beginning that I am standing on my ethical principles. So come at me. Come at me because everything you're going to tell me, I'm going to give you the principle that guided me to do it. And so the Arizona State Board of Nursing um, ordered me to undergo a formal ethics evaluation. I did and I passed. And so that, you know, set precedence there. And I was really hoping that that story would be elevated so that more nurses would be like, oh, all she did was follow her ethical principles. Yes, that's what I did. And that's what you should do. And that's why you should speak out. That's right. Amen. And then listening, please yes. take note. <laughs> well, not not just take note to yes, take note, but go to Jody's website, right? Jody, isn't that where we want them to kind of connect with you to get their hands on this book as well? Jody O'MalleyRN.com. And of course, we'll put the link in our Substack and mm-hmm. we can put it on social media. But isn't that the best place to find you, Jody? to get this resource and to be empowered with this information? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. And and you'll see on there, like I'm working with Nurse Freedom Network, who's starting like Remnant Nursing and a thousandwidows.org. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah. go go there. And will you tell us about a thousandwidows.org? Because I know that's something that you've been really working closely with recently. So will you tell Mm -hmm. the listeners a little more about what that is? So a thousandwidows.org is an organization that started with just a couple of widows um, and it quickly grew when they noticed that there were about 27 commonalities, um, you know, removal of the advocate from the bedside, the coercion, um, administering medications that the patient refused, um, you know, all of these things. And so this organization was born out of that. And, um, and the hope is to get more because I believe there are millions out there, you know, all of these COVID number deaths, I don't buy it. Like it was deadly hospital protocols, um, that really ushered that in and, and they, you know, had a financial incentive. So they label it as COVID. And Jody, I want you to expand on that. Cause I, I believe there are listeners who don't understand this part. And it, it sounded like it was. Uh, a conspiracy theory, I think, early on when there were people that said, hey, the hospitals are getting paid to follow a certain protocol, which was put out by our federal government. Mm-hmm. And we believe now, the like, for example, the use of remdesivir as the drug of choice, which did not have a high safety profile. Of course, it was Fauci's Gilead science. Go, go look at the connection there. But there was something weird with that. That was the drug of choice. The refusal to use repurposed drugs like um, ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, uh, high dose vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin D. Um, my question to you is because you were inside that hospital, what was the system that was passed down to you guys telling you you need to use this system? And will you just briefly tell people why that was lethal? Well, so I worked in the ER. Um, where I saw many people go home. I worked in the ICU where I saw the sickest of the sick. And I also worked as hospital supervisor about 60% of the time. So I don't think many people realize 
that nurses run the hospital. You know, we run it by the, with the CNO, the hospital supervisor, like a doctor has an issue. They go to the hospital supervisor, every single person in the hospital, if they have an issue in any department goes to the hospital supervisor. Um, if you're escalating it, right. You do have your chain of command, but the bug stops here is the hospital supervisor on that shift. And so a lot of people don't realize that, you know, this presumed positive, I could go in and say, I have a sniffle and diarrhea. And the doctor could say that you're presumed COVID, throw you on a COVID floor, you're isolated, sometimes chemically or physically restrained, right? In isolation without the advocate at the bedside. That is the biggest thing right there because you don't have somebody speaking for you or, <clears throat> or helping to understand what that doctor that just came in the room said to you, right? You have, you need that other set of eyes and ears of what's going on. And so with this whole, um, uh, cares act protection that the hospitals got the nursing care and the physician care dramatically decreased. So we were having nurses and doctors not go in the room with the standard of care and being able to chart report received from nurse due to limiting COVID exposure. So now this patient was literally COVID thrown in the room, thrown on oxygen. We didn't um, initiate many of the times um, nutrition uh, you know, nurses weren't going in there titrating down the oxygen appropriately because they were limiting their care. There was no, what the, the treatment for COVID was remdesivir, remdesivir and oxygen. There was no secondary treatment for a secondary infection, like an antibiotic. And I'll tell you, I rotated through the hospital. And so I had three or four times where I took over a care of an ICU patient and noticed that they were in their COVID, right? And I'm like, they're, the white blood cell count is going up. They're spiking a fever. Why are we not doing antibiotics? And time and time again, the doctors would say, they have COVID, we don't treat. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This person has been laying here for days and not getting up out of bed. Why are we not treating? And so I would... Um, I got sputum samples, you know, and I would ask that doctor, well, I'm ordering, um, can you order a sputum sample? Nope. They're COVID. Well, I, as a nurse would be like, I'm getting that freaking sputum sample. And I would have the patient cough into it. And then I would call the doctor and be like, Hey, I got a sputum sample. Um, it's green. And so I'm putting an order in for it. Okay. And they're like, okay. And every single time they came back, with one to two to three different type of pneumonias. And so pneumonias were killing these people. Right. I think remdesivir was killing this, these people. The lack of the standard of care was killing these people. The isolation and the stress was killing these people. You know, and we all heard many horror stories about a patient refu refusing remdesivir and um, not wanting to be a DNR, not wanting to get intubated, and they were. And so yeah. this is what a thousandwidows.org um, those are some of the commonalities, lack of informed consent. I mean, we can go on and on. 
I do want to follow up just to reiterate, this is actually straight from the National Vital Statistics System, system Guidance for Certifying COVID-19 Deaths, and this was from March of 2020. So everything Jody is telling you is correct, okay? So just so y'all can uh, hear the receipts, it says, it is. this is the guidance for certifying COVID-19 deaths. It is important to emphasize that coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19 should be reported on the death certificate for all decedents where the disease caused or is assumed to have caused or contributed to death. Okay, that was the guidance, y'all. It is. Look, I posted this the other day and I said, never forget. That's and right. And there was a doctor in our healthcare system here in Wilmington at Novant. And he said, and it's Dr. Brian Legier. And I could say his name because his name's right there publicly. And it said, to all of you who are unvaccinated by choice, F you. Okay. That was, uh, to, I don't know when exactly that was. But Can then you get his address? Just yeah. for real. Um, and then in March of 2020, there was even um, a Bloomberg report that said 99% of those who died from virus had other illness, Italy says. These are things that we conspiracy we theorists mean. were saying and called conspiracy theorists because every time they'd say more people are dying, you know, that are unvaccinated or all these COVID deaths. And we're like, what are the comorbidities? Did they have early treatment? Those are my first two questions every single time, because that's really important to know. And now they're coming out saying that now they're saying, oh, for over a year, they've been noticing that they were miscounting. And I'm like, um, it's been longer than that. And we've been saying well, this also forever. not to mention, Holly, like you said, the financial incentives, mm -hmm. the financial yeah. incentives of the hospitals, like hospitals were paid for COVID deaths. They got a 20% bonus payout by CMS if they listed um, them as COVID. And um, the average ICU, if they were intubated, I, I believe it was a $500,000 payout. That's why hospitals went along with this, guys. I, I mean, you know, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, the nurses, I call them the dissenting critical thinkers, uh, were able, you know, the heroes. Uh, that, you know, were shut out of the hospital because after a year and a half, they didn't want to take an experimental injection. And all they did was go to the, the travel agencies, get the religious exemption and come back in through the back door, making three times as much money. And when people are like, oh, the government's paying them. Well, guess who's, who is paying the government? You and I. Right. Right. Like, hello, this is us and our dollars and our in, in, in the debt that our children and, you know, 10 generations, unless the Jesus comes, you know, quicker, um, <laughs> which I hope, yeah. but um, yeah, like, right. Uh, they changed the ICD 10 code. It just was all, it was so, so like laid out there for you to see what they wanted to do. And like, honestly, I didn't know that remdesivir was that deadly all until after I blew the whistle uh, I, and, you know, met Dr. Artis and I heard his reports on it. Um, we just knew it wasn't working, but I didn't know that it was causing the deaths. And, mm -hmm. and one other point, when in the history of medicine, <clears throat> have we ever told a patient you could have a dead or you do have a deadly uh, disease inside of you? but we're going to wait until it's actively killing you right. to treat you. Right. I, I mean, that was the part that was the part, right. That just, uh -huh. as soon as they called, I'm telling you the tell, if you just 
thought if that's why we call this just think if you just thought the tell was oh this nobel winning prize we're now going to call it horse pace and horse dewormer so that you don't use it we're going to forbid pharmacies from prescribing it we're going to threaten doctors who prescribe it and it was listen had such a high safety profile right and especially in comparison to remdesivir such a high safety profile there was not a lot of risk in trying it but there was like zero risk, nothing. like literally there was no risk. Uh, uh, almost anybody can take it. The contraindications, you you go to look at table 2E characteristics of antiviral treatment. Um, you'll see on there all of the, for remdesivir, we had to order daily labs, right? We had to monitor their liver and kidney function. They were admitted into the hospital for a five day stay automatically. You know, and, and that, that was one of the biggest things like with my, with my coworker who I, you know, dedicate the book to and call her angel, um, in the book that, you know, angel had the right to try. Mm -hmm. She absolutely had the right to try a safe proven we're uh, uh, on the world's list of essential medication, Nobel peace, right? Uh, uh, Nobel peace prize winning drug. Mm -hmm. And right. they refused it. I mean, well, and, and then remdesivir, just to circle back to that, you've got patients who they say you're sick, but they say not to come in unless you're not breathing or you're having difficulty breathing. So at that point, you're already four, five, six, seven days in. At remdesivir least. only works if it even works, if it's given early. Mm -hmm. If you look at the trials, it's given early. So that right there should make you think. They're even saying antiviral medicines now. They're coming out, but it's not ivermectin. It's the one, the money makers, you know, the molnupiravir, Paxlovid, yeah. you know, the remdesivir, all of them. The only time they actually have any chance of working is early treatment. Yet they yeah. told people to go home until you can't breathe and then come in. So of course people were dying because you yeah. get there and it's wreaking havoc all over your body and you're trying to throw the kitchen sink at it and they're not even throwing the kitchen sink. Yeah. They're, they're not even, no, it, that's it's right. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you go, mm -hmm. it used to be you go to the hospital. I used to, I don't, I tell everybody to avoid the hospital at all costs. And that's sad. I used to work there. <laughs> I mean, but now it's like you go to the hospital to die. That is a scary, scary thought. And, and I love my fellow nurses. I love a lot of the doctors that I worked with, but it's a lot different right now. And it's scary. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Well, Jody, we just appreciate you so much. And we're just, it's been such an honor to talk to you because we wanted to as soon as we saw your face telling the story. And we just knew that you had more to share. And I'm so thankful that you have put this book together and that you are just continuing to fight to get the information out there, just like we are through the podcast, through your book, through your website. And like you said, listeners, this is so important. Please do not rely on Jody to do that work. Please don't rely on us to do the work. You've got to join us in these conversations, not just by being a listener, but by being a talker. Share yes. what you know. You don't have to shove anything down anybody's throat. I know many of you are not confrontational. You just want to stay in your safe place. And I get it. Trust me when I tell you, we all would like to hide and take a nap too. Okay, we really would. We'd like to sleep right through this. We really would. But I'm telling you, all you have to do is say, did you know? and give them a fact. Did you know that remdesivir was had a had a, was not a safe drug and it was actually killing people with side effects like kidney failure? 
Did you know that hospitals were paid for COVID deaths? Did you know they are now acknowledging that the COVID deaths were mis were, were miscategorized? Like if you just plant seeds and encourage people to go look for themselves and give them give them our Substack, <laughs> the resources are there. But you have to help us. Help us by starting the conversations in your networks. Just get the information out there because people. If they are, if they're willing to have an open mind, they will see it. That's what, that's how we all saw it is just having an open mind and thinking. Jody, yeah. thank you. We're going to be continuing to follow you and talk to you. You can find Jody nurse for natives on Instagram. She always shares great stuff, but also you can follow her, follow her on her website. Go get her book. Go to JodyO'MalleyRN.com. Jody, thanks so much for being with us. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, ladies, I wanted to say too, um, that I have watched you guys grow. Um, I, I actually reached out months ago, um, to you that you didn't see until later. And so it's so powerful what you all are doing and what everybody has the opportunity to do. People want to hear the truth. And that is why with, with my story, it spoke volumes to people because they, they all knew something was up. Right. And, and so they were like, Oh, here you go. Here's the stuff. Well, that's what you guys are doing. I mean, I've seen you grow by like 10,000 followers in the last couple of months, right? Like that's huge. Your voice is making a difference. And so thank you because I would like to sleep. I, I really would. <laughs> I mean, if I can, if I can go move up to Alaska and just be out of all of this, I, yes, I would. Oh my God. And I do think too, and just to echo something you said earlier, you know, when people say you're courageous, you're courageous to speak out You're listen, it is so beyond courage. It is absolute conviction. It really is. It is that I know I can't sleep on this because my children you know what? I could probably live a comfortable life. I could live another, you know, 40, 50 years very comfortably. Yeah. My children may not. My my grandchildren won't. And I think if you just think about it, it's not just about you and your comfort zone. It is about that we have a responsibility to God, to ourselves and to our fellow man to put the truth out there and to fight for it. And especially if you want to live in the United States of America and call it a free country, you better fight for that freedom. This is not on our soldiers back. It's on we, the people to do that job and to stand up and speak out and exercise your first amendment rights. And God forbid, if you can't use your first amendment, we got the second amendment to back it up <laughs> because that's where I'm at. I got it right beside my desk right now. So I'm just saying, y'all, this is the time to speak out. It's the time to yeah. speak out and speak up and do it. You're not alone. And it's not about courage. At this point, it really is about conviction. It's about doing the right damn thing. Okay. Right. Amen. So thank you. All right. Thanks, Jody. We'll talk again soon, I'm thank sure. <laughs>